From Experiment Nation, I am Romil, and this is Product Experimentation. Product managers everywhere are leveraging the power of experimentation to solve customer problems and build better products. Learn from seasoned PMs and find out how to up your product management game with the latest experimentation strategies. Welcome everyone, uh, I'm Siddharth and I am a data science professional turned product manager. I have a broad industry experience and I've shipped products in legal services and manufacturing industries. Um, I like to leverage data to make informed decisions and I leverage data to create value throughout the product development life cycle. Um, passing it over to you, Jaya. Thanks, Siddharth. Uh, along the same lines as you, I'm a product professional with over 15 years of experience in the fintech industry. Um, I guess you can call me a specialist. Um, I've been working towards delivering digital solutions um, that people love and that works for the business. Um, I kind of like to say that that sounds familiar, and if it's not, <laughs> um, try to familiarize yourself with Marty Kagan. I think that's the one definition that's resonated with me well. All right. Um... So for our listeners today, um, this first session, we, we, will, we will walk you through um, just what a product development lifecycle looks like. Uh, we know um, PDLC you know, varies from a product manager to a product manager and varies from company to company. So we'll, we'll talk about the different flavors of the general PDLC. From there, we'll, we'll walk into how um, can someone start with experimentation in, in a PDLC, and we'll try and share our experience the whole process. And for this episode, we'll also close on with how can PMs, designers, engineers, and just your team can incorporate experimentation in your day-to-day -day work. So to start us off, um, um, Jay, in your experience, what do you think is a typical product development lifecycle like? Yeah, I think, um, so depending on whether you're kind of adopting a more iterative development, process or mm -hmm. you're kind of being handed down um, a process based on a concept, generally there's some form of strategy and some uh, form of delivery that complements each other. Of course, mm -hmm. one before the other, but depending on where you're at in the cycle, um, things can keep repeating until you get to uh, product deliverables that you can measure, right? right? So essentially what you've got is at the beginning, there's um, either some form of research or idea where you're trying to discover or validate, um, you know, whether there's any value to pursue this idea. This can be followed up with research or support, whether it's from white papers, from customer mm -hmm. research, from competitive intel. Um, and the product managers basically got that responsibility to synthesize all this information and make some sense out of it, right? Um, how often are you bombarded with so much information and you have to tell a story? Right, <laughs> um, work every right? single time. <laughs> Yeah, like, why are you doing this? What's the problem that you're trying to solve? Right. Um, but it goes a long way to bring this all together in a co cohesive way mm -hmm. um, to answer those important questions, right? Who are you targeting? What is it that you're trying to address? What's the opportunity? Um, and some of the nitty gritty details, like what are the benefits? Um, mm -hmm. Can you quantify that? Um, once you've got some substance into this idea that you want to pursue, um, you bring in experts of different skill sets, um, mm -hmm. be it from the development side, from the design side, right. from the product side, business side, and you collaborate 
to a point where you try to figure out, okay, now that we've got something, how might we be able to get this done? Um, then you've kind of got, uh, if you're in the software space, then the implications could be around application solution architecture, um, you know, connections and integrations between systems. Um, yeah. In other cases, it might actually be processing uh, improvements and they don't necessarily depend on software. Um, so it's just the idea, the concept around developing the idea. How can we get to it? Um, ideally, then, when you get to a point where you can um, qualify whether it's going to work or not, you're testing something, whether it's functionality, whether it's the development progress, um, to make sure that you're on the right track. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, there is some form of feedback that you want to get to, to see whether it's working, whether it's not. Um, here's where we kind of test our conscious, where we're, you know, we're gutsy enough to say, yes, it worked or no, it didn't. Um, you know, often in traditional um, systems, you might not be able to track back and say, this didn't right. work, let's start again. Yeah. <laughs> but I think nowadays, um, we're much more open to this um, concept of learning, failing, learning, reiterating, and then passing on, uh, you know, an idea that could become something bigger. Definitely. So that's right in a nutshell, mm -hmm. um, from start to finish, the, the basic um, product development life cycle. Um, synthesized, I think, into different industries, I'd probably love to hear what you've seen um, the product development lifecycle turn into, and maybe even in the in the new world. Right. Yeah. Um, I feel I totally resonate with you on the discovery aspect. Right. Um, while working with legal services as well, I felt that um, the discovery aspect is um, it's pretty consistent, right, across different industries. You either have a problem that you're trying to solve or you're trying to improve a situation. Um, this can be brought forth towards you either by an internal stakeholder or an external stakeholder. That is, it, 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 might, be bring, it might be brought to you by someone in the management or you figure out a problem that one of your users are facing. Um, but what's interesting is the ideation part, right, which follows after you identified the problem that you're trying to solve. Um, I feel like, from my experience, um, in different industries, the ideation or brainstorming phase is different. Um, I worked with teams which were really siloed, and um, for them, the ideation involved more of stakeholder management and less of brainstorming and whiteboarding. Um, you know, in this situation, I, we really had to bring different people together and understand their limitations. But mm -hmm. I've also worked with teams which are absolutely flat, you know, and that is where the actual creativity pumps in. And everyone is literally given one marker each and there's a big whiteboard where you can go out and lay out your ideas, right? And I feel that's the kind of ideation I personally enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, have you ever felt a scenario where, you know, the ideation aspect was really itchy? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting with the dynamics. Sometimes it, it's facilitated by external parties where you're unbiased towards any party. Um, but the less structure I found, the better it actually turned out. When I say less structure, I don't mean um, how the session is being held, but yeah. rather in terms of how you're thinking. Like, right. how can you kind of necessarily tell somebody how to think, right? It's yeah. that's your that's your creative juices that's kind of flowing. But if you kind of focus on um, the constraints or the context, why you're here, 
um, the basics around the session, how it's going to work, um, if you're going to do dot voting, or if you're going to walk through a scenario, if you're going to um, paint out a picture and uh, literally envision what could the experience look like. You really put the participants around the table, right. um, you know, in their own free imaginary world where you see so many different perspectives. Right. I think that's where it ends up being successful mm-hmm. versus on the flip side, if you've got, um, you know, more of a, a narrowed fo- focus of, you know, this is the idea. Now, how can we get it done? There's some imaginative side of that, but the creativity is kind of killed right at the onset because you're giving the idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right about that. Um, my personal favorite is the dot uh, dot approach where, you know, it just offers really uh, a lot of ambiguity to the people responding to different ideas. And I felt, uh, you know, when people are asked to throw in their suggestions and their opinions, that is when the... Uh, that this practice really comes in. Um, but I think the, the key thing here is how can someone get started with the product experimentation uh, throughout the whole product development life cycle? Um, in your experience so far, Jaya, um, how have you managed to uh, experiment with the products that you've built? And I'll, I'll be really honest here. It's, I've been really influenced by my design partners constantly where you know, UX research has become such a huge space, um, you know, in, Mm -hmm. I'll say recent years, but it's, it's existed for quite some time. And just like product management, somehow now it's just boomed to be like a very interesting role, but it's existed for quite some time. It's just a matter of realizing really the value that you get out of um, all of the knowledge that we come together with, right? So not only um, do we have the opportunities to run with experiments within user research. Um, And by that, I mean uh, any form of user testing, whether it's interviews, whether it's surveys, uh, usability tests. Um, But also, I almost want to ask a question because I'm not certain. I was having this thought that even in the development phase when there's like tech spikes, um, right? If you wanted to discover a way to do something and you're not sure how, it might not follow a scientific method, but I wonder if there's an opportunity to do do that, right? Yeah, uh, that's a really good question. Um, I feel it, it depends a lot on the structure of the team and the current alignment of resources, right? Mm-hmm. I feel there are, there could be scenarios where um, you could create some variants for the control feature that you're trying to map out. Right, and you could try it out with a bunch of target users and see uh, how they feel about it. But I feel in other scenarios, maybe uh, you don't have that bandwidth or the resources that can create this new um, this new set of experiment for you. And what do you do then? Right? Do you like just go and you know experiment and just throw it out on a live product, or mm-hmm. do you hold back this creative idea uh, until you? get to a point where you can actually test it out. I almost want to think that there is a myth buster around here where, mm-hmm. you know, we almost want to be interested in what is part of an experiment? What do you really need to run an experiment? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and kind of from my really narrow and small perspectives on things, um, you need an experiment design a problem statement, a hypothesis. Right. You need to be able to be ready to uh, make observations um, and then make that 
conclusion to say whether your hypothesis was supported or not right and take the next step to progress on that conclusion does that require a lot of um resource or a lot of extra work and tools and stuff um mm -hmm. no, no no i think depending on what you're trying to achieve um you might require more advanced tools tooling mm -hmm. but on the onset of it just to even think about experiments as uh, a way of working through a problem space i don't think you need a lot right what do you think <laughs> i want to fence here because you know um i i've been on the other side of you um, mm -hmm. In my last role, I did not have a UX researcher in my team or in the organization itself, right? Um, so everything was on me as a product manager. So for me, um, I had to put in a lot of extra effort to scope out the best practices for UX uh, for a digital product that I was building. I had to enroll, believe it or not, on a, in a part-time course for UX design. And I was like, hey, I, I see a gap here uh, and that cannot be fulfilled in my organization and I really need it. So I ended up, you know, investing some time on understanding those principles. And I really felt empowered, you know, as a, as a PM, I felt really connected with my product once I actually got to understand uh, the UX aspect of building a product. And with that, I felt that I kind of had a framework um, when I was building out my experiment. So I was start with the question that, that, was, that, that I was trying to answer. For example, how can we decrease the bounce rate on the different states of the product or different screens of the product? From there, I would go on to building a few, you know, set of hypotheses um, to answer this question. For instance, in this case, um, if we change the call to action button to red, more people will move to the next page, right? Mm. And... Then I would go on to creating different variants, right? And identifying the target users to release these variants to. And finally, I would get some feedback and data to prove my hypothesis, either valid or invalid, you know? Um, wow, that's an amazing experience. Well, it, it required a lot of effort, to be honest. <laughs> I can see. I can see how that could be very time consuming, especially if it's just you um, on top of kind of data science responsibilities. Mm -hmm. um, appreciating that as a product manager is a lot. Because here's the thing, as product professionals, we're, we're talking to so many different people in so many different areas. Not to say that other roles aren't, but there's a lot of hat switching defined. Like, mm -hmm. um, you know, when you need to think about um, working with your marketing partners, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, it's kind of looking at, you know, through the sales funnel or the e-commerce platform strategy, what are you trying to support in that angle? When you talk to your design partners, um, it's it's not only kind of the end goal, but what are you trying to achieve, achieve from a user experience on the digital platforms? There's always like a slight, there's a, either a drastic or a slight different um, kind of thought process depending on who you're talking to, right? Because they're different skill sets. 100%, yeah. Um, in your experience, you know, uh, while we are still while we are still on this topic, um, what was the most um, difficult team or set of stakeholders that you had to work with? Oh, this one's a tough one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when you say difficult, like in terms of 
uh, working through discussions or hard-headed people? <laughs> well, you know, I would say with hard-headed people, right? Um, okay. Like some people that you that you had the hardest time connecting with and bringing on board in your experimentation projects. Oh, this one's interesting. I think, so the first thing to do, I guess, is to appreciate why is this person appearing to be hard-headed and why am I thinking that this person is hard-headed? It's, it starts with me, right? Um, yeah. I think first going into these sessions, I can think of an example where um, I think we were trying to change uh, a pricing strategy. This is when I was kind of assuming the role of a traditional product manager. And it was so complex because it wasn't just changing the pricing strategy or, or upgrading um, plans. It was also incorporating a mm -hmm. cross-selling opportunity with another package of products, um, you know, pulling me into the digital space. I couldn't actually leave it. I think at that time it was, um, it was me appreciating the fact that we started with different uh, goals and objectives from, from both sides. And I think working, acknowledging that, only came in uh, embarrassingly <laughs> later on. Yeah. We started with, okay, here's our package, here's how like we want to incorporate it, but we didn't really start with what is it that we're all trying to achieve. Um, by the time it was, you know, shambles and we were just trying to clean things up because it was, um, you know, we were also tied down with risk managing communications and legally you're bound to communicate each account per person. Right. So we right. had 10 accounts, you were sending 10 letters and that's pretty much not changing in the Canadian space. <laughs> uh, it was it was streamlining on communications. Mm. Um, what we had tried to do was iterate on different versions of letters, actually send these sample letters to not only employees, but also customers to see how they deal and customer support groups. Oh, wow. It was really risky. We, you know, we were like, oh my God, what if this blows up and stuff? But we tried, we trusted each other and said, you know what, the best way to know is to find out how this could blow up and what questions we could get. Yeah. Um, and so we ended up getting really, really good feedback, um, including feedback from risk partners, from customer experience folks, from customers. At the end of the day, um, you know, we were on the fence with changing certain things because either way, change especially in the pricing side is sensitive right definitely yeah right so you you have to kind of appreciate and um accept that some things you can't change but you can optimize and i think that's the that's a benefit of experimentation mm -hmm. if you're not looking to perfect it you're definitely looking to optimize to improve you know the next best thing yeah great point yeah i strongly think that we we achieve that yeah Oh, I, I think that's a great point. I, I really love the fact that you said, you know, experimentation and the change really starts with oneself, right? And until unless, you know, you're open to change and, you know, willing to try and see if any new thing works on what you're building, you know, you can't really expect anyone else to be on, boarded, on board with your idea, right? Yeah. So really love that fact. And Having worked with in a pricing team as well, I, I totally get where you're coming from. Um, there, there's only so many things you can move and change, but yeah. it's really interesting to see that um, you could really look at experimentation as a way to optimize something, right? It's not really yeah. just trying to come up with something new, but you're just trying to optimize an existing process. Um, yeah, 
and I noticed like I, I want to add like one more piece that more the more you actually inspired people with the same problem same focus the more we were able to align to each other um mm -hmm. align with each other the more people got actually motivated energetic to actually try different things I think that's the thing at the beginning it's everybody's on a different page if you spend time at the onset to set out you know what do we all agree to be here for um people will you know in generally will form a team and that will be um your foundations to create a really successful experiment design yeah no 100 i think it's the team has to come together to actually yield to the result that we're trying to aim for right um you can't really move um all the pieces by yourself it's a it's a machine that's that's working together um this kind of brings me to the, the to another interesting point um you know how would you how would you suggest your pms designers engineers uh whom you're working with to incorporate experimentation in your work you know it's so interesting i actually had a recent example of this we're partnering uh -huh. um with another team um with regards to a redesign concept mm -hmm. and those are really interesting right it's not like a one and done it's right. I, i've constantly thought about how to go through website redesigns is it like um a full package of capabilities that you launch all at once can you even break it down and get into a frankenstein no you can't um so backing up we actually um got a lot of initial uh interviews done in i'd say like a couple months ago but they were still i'm trying to get to a practice of mm -hmm. uh talking to users on a weekly basis i love teresa torres for that um okay. that's my goal for the year trying to like wow once a week it's yeah. tough but i'm gonna do it yeah. <laughs> um and so you know we wanted to brush off those interviews and start it up again mm -hmm. before my ux research partners uh dove into those interviews i just asked a simple question i said you know what Can we actually create some mm -hmm. hypotheses before we get into these interviews? Um mm -hmm. what is it that we think that um could be true or not true? Mm -hmm. And she loved the idea. So she kind of took it away a couple of days, looked at some of our problem statements, what we created as concepts and um came out with a couple of uh statements and I added to that from a product perspective. And it's interesting because the hypotheses that she wanted to confirm from a design perspective mm -hmm. were very um distinct from the ones that I wanted to support which is great like right. it doesn't have to be a certain discipline right definitely so, yeah so just that change i think um helped us feel comfortable getting into the interviews that after that when i'm able to see what the synthesis looks like we're able to go back to those statements and say um you know our research supports it negates it um mm -hmm. and it shows very cohesively what your next steps could be when you're trying to share yeah. that feedback to teams they appreciate it they see where you're going with it right yeah definitely um i I've, i've kind of felt the same thing while working with my teams you know um i've always tried to urge my at least my engineering team to be more creative and think outside the box um one of the things that i felt that my team was having a challenge with was the 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 apprehension you know and and the averseness to fail you know mm -hmm. like pe people don't like to fail and you know failure is a part of experimentation right um if you fail you only get to know what does not work right so it was really hard to communicate um you know this ideology or this way of thinking to 
my team and you know we've, we've had so many sessions you know i i actually had to take them out outside the office <laughs> you know for for a social to try and get them a little more comfortable with you know it's all right to fail but tr- let's try out new things right there are tons of ideas available out out in the market right and out in the world to solve one problem for instance um you know if someone is looking for designs design ideas or design inspirations they can refer to dribble or behance some open platforms where people come out and share ideas for technical people for technical ideas you could refer to stack overflows uh, GitHub's to actually look at how people are solving the same problem in different ways, um, and I feel you know it's it's always about trying to just be a little more creative and taking a chance. Yeah. Right? Oh, I love that. Take a chance, right? Start with me. Take a chance. <laughs> um, be ready for failure. These are really nice messages that that have kind of come across multiple times, ample times, um, you know, throughout my career. I, I love those. Yeah. Um, and just to wrap it up today, uh, we spoke about, um, you know, what a product development lifecycle really looks like. Uh, we, we spoke about the different flavors in product development lifecycle. From there, we moved on to um, discussing and sharing how someone could start experimentation in product development lifecycle. And we spoke about um, how the different industries vary in terms of ex- experimentation and uh, we also spoke about a framework uh, that that could be applied um, for starting experimentation right away and lastly uh, we also spoke about how you as a product manager or product leader can enable your team to uh, incorporate experimentation into their work um, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in and we look forward to having you for the next session this is Jaya and Sid. Thanks, Sid. Uh, this was a really great first session. Had lots of fun. Definitely tune in to us another time. Um, and goodbye for now. Signing off. Thank you.